yo, what up, what up, what up, friends? And welcome to the Ball and Buds Podcast. I am your host, Omar Fonseca. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Yep, welcome back, my family. It is episode number 25. What? What, 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 what? 25. Can you believe it? We've been together for 25 episodes. Can you believe that? It's a quarter of a century. It's a quarter of a hundred. We on our way, baby. We on our way. The Ball and Buds podcast. Thank you. Thank you to all my family and friends for always joining me, supporting me on this journey. Together with you, obviously, would be no podcast if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Again, episode number 25. Let us enjoy. So today is a very special episode. Even if you don't enjoy the topic at hand, the people that will be speaking to it are some legends that you will definitely want to hear. So that being said, uh, you're going to definitely hear from legends of pro wrestling, Conan and Disco Inferno, from my appearance on their podcast, Roundtable. And you will also hear from pro wrestling insider and territory expert Greg Lawson, who we did an interview with when he talked about the old territory days in the South and the rise of WWF and WrestleMania and main event to pay-per-view. So if you are an old school wrestling fan, that interview you're definitely not going to want to miss. And even if you're not a wrestling fan, you're definitely going to want to listen to the Conan and Disco clips that I was on because some pretty funny stuff right there. And shout out to the Keeping It 100 podcast with Conan, Disco, and JoJo. Thank you, as always, for having me on. I am a Patreon subscriber of theirs, and so should you as well. They give tons of content for your subscription. And if not, at least go check out their podcast. Subscribe to that for free and check them out because the podcast is hilarious and they have me on there every once in a while so we can talk different subjects. They have me on for wrestling. We had a Tupac show the other day that you're going to hear here in a few weeks. I'll have some clips from that. So yeah, man, shout out to them. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, boys. As always, it's a great time. But first, you know how we like to start here on the Ball and Boots podcast with Omar's Overture. So let's kick this bad boy off. Get over here! We had SummerSlam, and we had the first dance on the same weekend last weekend, and it was amazing. We saw the return of CM Punk. It might have been the loudest pop uh, for a return I've heard in a long time. Let me cut you off. Who's this bum we got over here, this new guy? Was this uh, Omar? Omar. A.K.A. Street Professor? What up, y'all? Thank you for having me. Uh, well, welcome, welcome, welcome to the roundtable. Is this your first time on here? No, it's actually uh, my second time. Second. Is it really? I don't remember you. It was you a different his, moniker what, when you what, came what, on? Yeah, what's this moniker, street professor? Would you give classes on the streets or what? I actually do. I teach digital marketing. Oh, oh, every name. And I also... Huh? Oh, shit. Every name. You really? Yeah. Wow, you're pretty smart, huh? Yeah. And, wow, man. And I also, yeah. I'm, a, I'm also a hip-hop MC, so hence the street professor. Oh, get it. Oh, that's cool. Get it, that's Omar. Cool. What nationality are you, Omar? I'm Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. Oh, wow. Cody likes you. Puerto Oh, I know. I know Cody. <laughs> Cody is already saying, let's, let's have this guy on every week. <laughs> <laughs> I got love for everybody, baby. Attention passengers. This is your stewardess, Iris Chacon, on flight 560. We will be reaching our destination point of San Juan, Puerto Rico within the next five minutes. Please fasten your seatbelts and have your seats in an upright position. Thank you for flying, Air Goya. I don't know if I got a 
end now. Without further ado, it is yo boy, the street professor. I'm here. Yo, yo, is this thing on? Is this thing on? Yes, 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 it's me, your Puerto Rican poppy, baby. We are here. And I do not mean the radioactive poppy, but shout out Danny Limelight as well. And shout out Proud and Powerful. Let's go. Boricua's taking us to the top. But you know we here as always. Before I was so rudely interrupted by disco, I was telling you about the return of CM Punk. But at the same time, WWF countered. They brought back Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar. I called both of those. You can ask our pro wrestling insider, Shane Peacher about the Brock Lesnar and Becky we talked beforehand. He said he, he was definitely on Becky coming back. And I told him, all right, well, I think it's going to be Becky and Brock. And it was. Well, during All Out, which happened the next weekend after, we were all surprised with the debuts of Adam Bay Bay Cole and Daniel. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, damn, I was about to say his W. Brian Danielson. Uh, so we were surprised with the entrance of Brian Danielson and Adam Cole in the same segment, which was weird, but I guess he had to kind of tie it together because of who they're going to face. Looks like Dr- Brian Danielson is coming in to face Kenny Omega first. But what I like and what I'm seeing, uh, I don't know if anybody else is seeing this, but what I'm seeing, and I was telling Conan that I think that they're planting the seeds for an Adam Cole turn on Kenny Omega. And you can already see it because you can see like whenever Adam Cole's on the mic, Kenny Omega's like kind of jealous looking. So at least that's what I see. I don't know if anybody else sees it. But yeah, it was a great time for wrestling. You know, they had the last dance, then SummerSlam, then All Out. And we had so many comebacks, so many returns, so many big pops. The Forbidden Door is now open. So WW, uh, I always call him WWF, WWE, uh, you know, as much as Vince doesn't think he has an issue, now AEW is taking their stars. And granted, while it may not make a huge dent now, they have also opened the Forbidden Door, which Vince refuses to do. So that being said, they are now working with NJPW. They are now working with Impact. They're working with AAA. So it's like, wow, you know, if these other companies together to start wrestling all the time, they could definitely combine their fan bases and try to challenge the WWE for supremacy. Now, do I ever think that will happen? No, but we can't discredit what the other companies are doing. And so I think that they're going to put up a good good challenge. And I think that they're not going to go any way. They're not going away anytime soon. Whatever the case may be, I love it because it's more wrestling. It's more wrestling. I know that AEW has a lot of people you never heard of on Rampage and on these other dark shows, Elevation, things like that. I enjoy it because I like seeing people that I've never seen before. Uh, But I do get when people want to just see the stars as well. But, you know, hey, they got a lot of good people. They got to get everybody in there, get them wrestling. And so I see a high, I see a very bright future for our wrestling industry. Man, I'm high on all the industries today. I'm high on everything today. I'm high on life. I'm high on, well, you know. <laughs> Actually, let me hit my bowl real quick. Today's episode is brought to you by Lava Cake and Wedding Crasher. Both of them indica heavy hybrids. Uh, both very good. Citrusy, peppery, herbally. Very nice. And apparently my bowl is clogged. Sure is. I got to clean my bowl. I'll be back. <laughs> let's, let's, let's say let's real talk quick, about just gonna, before you start the review, just the fact that now we're already, you know, a lot of fans are looking ahead to the next big acquisition because Kevin Owens' contract is up in January. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. Nobody cares. He's already hinted, hinted that he's probably going to make the move, and I wouldn't doubt that he does. Bro, what another blow that would be, right? Mm-hmm. And then There's Dane, another incredible Dane? fucking talker, worker, yep. indie guy. Oh, my God. And then Zayn's right. contract comes up right after that, Conan. So that could be a – that's next year, but, you know. And they also okay. are, they also have the rumors of Wyatt, too, if y'all didn't mention him, too. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Wyatt's going to impact, though. That's know. what I heard. My source told me that as well. Yeah, that, but you see the problem here, though? That this is the problem. Even though they – Bro, they should get all these guys if they want to beat WWE in the yeah, ratings. Like right. they're, but they're like kind of like they don't want to. Maybe some of their fan base is going to get a little pissed off if they're bringing in two. You know, like all the complainers 
It's like if I'm Tony Khan and I'm running this business, I want to beat the WWE in the ratings, and that's my goal. I get these guys right. because these guys are good performers. It's like I'm not wasting my time with some of these guys I've tried to push and they're still too green. I get all these guys. I have them in angles with each other and do really great TV with really good promos and really good matches. Wow. And then, while and, while yeah. simultaneously getting the younger cats reps on Dynamite right. Elevation right. and Rampage until they're exactly. ready to become the fucking Dynamite. It depends on uh, who their fan base is going to. You know they're going to react well to Brian and Punk, probably Wyatt. But he doesn't. He hasn't brought in guys like Strowman, who the AEW crowd would probably go, oh. And Owens is all tight with all of them too, ain't he? Ain't he yeah, really yeah, tight yeah, with yeah, all of yeah. them? He'd fit right in. One yeah, of the, one of the, one of the OGs, 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 OGs guys. Yeah. yeah. All right, kick it off. Right. Kick it off. Here we we don't have. Well, I right. just want to say this: we had a correspondent, Steve Burton, part-time uh, surgeon, who was there in Cincinnati and actually tweeted live to me that the atmosphere was great and that MGA, MJF went crazy on the mic, and we expected to see him here. I surmise that he got drunk at some sort of AEW tailgate <laughs> party and ended up maybe getting pegged somewhere. That's so <laughs> I just want to say... If that didn't happen, we're not going to let the have a good story, right? No way. Um, so Punk comes out, good pop as usual. So Punk put over the main event of Monora Suzuki and John Moxley because maybe people didn't exactly know who they were or who Suzuki was. Punk called Moxley a local maniac and Suzuki a Carl Josh trained pancreas legend. I guess for that crowd, that's a good line. I'll be honest with you, bro. I'm just reading what I read you, everything he's done so far has been kind of flat. Oh, it's super flat. Super I mean, flat. It's like, I'm, it's just like, I'm just, just reading that sounds yeah, boring, he, right? Because here's the thing. I think what I've figured out is I think Brian, De- I wanted Punk to come back and challenge Omega. That's what I would have done, right? Right. But it's obviously going to be Danielson. And I right. think Punk is the guy that's going to help, like, young guys. Like, he already helped yeah. Darby. He's work. And I want to wrestle Hobbs and put yeah, over all right. these young Hobbs. guys. You know, that, the guys that they did what WCW should have done, right? So I think he's trying to get that role. But having said that, he didn't say much, but I did like when he was on the mic with Taz. Oh, here we go. Get, I'm going to yeah. get to that. So Taz stood up on the commentary and interrupted him, and Punk called him out. He said, out of respect, he let him speak, but to never interrupt him again. This is the best line, because this is true. Taz said he was tired of this bullshit love fest he's doing. Right. Kind of all of us are. We all are. It's like yeah, he told him never, he never, right, he never mentioned any members of Team Taz he wants to face. And Punk said nobody had mentioned Team Taz at all. And Taz replied that he did on social media and in interviews. Hook and Powerhouse Hobbs walked out near the commentary table. And Punk replied to send all three of them. He told Team Taz to beat me if you can and survive if I let you. What I remember about this, I like him and Taz because it, Taz is good on the mic and he plays a good asshole. And during the whole show, he was making little remarks, which I like that a heel would make. Like when they were burying Dan Lambert, he goes, I like Dan Lambert. And I like Punk using Taz's own lines on him. That was right. funny. And I did like that he mentioned Ricky Starks, CM right. Punk. I was like, wow, that would be good. Good matches and good promos. So they cut to a proud and powerful video package and they declared themselves the best tag team in AEW and demanded to be proven wrong. Anybody else got any comments on the Punk segment? Yeah, does right. does Punk have to ask right. Taz to use his line on him, or does he just do it? Well, there's still no, bro, he's been here for four, week, four or five weeks now. There's still no heat. There's no heat yet. Right. You know, you need yeah. heat. Good googly moogly. So this is the most controversial segment they've had in a long time. Actually, not that long, probably since Jericho and the, yeah, the, this, this the Gage this, had, this, had, this, had the... Had the yeah, I this, think this, this is, was even bigger, bro. I couldn't believe yeah. he got away with all that. And they I don't had, even know if he got it. I don't know if he got away with it. I don't and, know if this was by design. You know? and they, right, let's talk about it. Okay, but let me just say this. The guy Caster got suspended for saying way less. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Right. So MJF made his entrance in the arena with Wardlow, and the you tapped out chance rained out. He called the crowd pot pigs. He said prior to Sunday, I'll be honest, I like MJF, but he doesn't have to do as much cheap heat as he tries to get, like flicking people off and stuff. I don't think he needs that, okay? He said right. prior he to doesn't Sunday, need it right because he's that fucking good. You right. Know, cheap heat is for people that don't know how to get heat. So he said he had beaten the schmuck Chris Jericho. I like the way he called him a schmuck. A right. schmuck Chris Jericho three times, and he, beat, yeah, and he beat him again on Sunday clean in the middle of the ring, and he called out bias against him to cause the match to be restarted because they all want to be him. He called Cincinnati Shitsinnati, which I thought was unnecessary, and said it's called the Midwest because everything in it is mid. 
Skyline in Chile is mid. The Cincinnati Reds are mid. Every single person who lives here is mid. It's like, all right, whatever. And see, that's, a part, like, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't need this cheap heat on the because he's already got heat. Cheap here heat, again, so. here again is where I like Taz because he goes, yeah, trash jump. And Taz goes, I agree. He goes, yeah, the Reds suck. He goes, yeah, they do suck. You know, I was right. like, yeah. yeah. MJF asked the crowd if they had a problem with him and asked him to jump the guardrails so he could beat all their asses. They won't because they're all cowards, and he said he would knock Linda's teeth down her throat in the front row. He then called out Brian Pillman's daughter and called her 16 and pregnant. He then called her Roseanne and asked her if she had something to say. She announced she was Brian Pillman's daughter. That Brian Pillman Jr. made his entrance wearing a Cincinnati Bengals jersey. And bro, the, the guy's in his, his sister's face, and he stopped at the entrance That's to cut right. a promo. No, and he stopped when right. Wardlow stopped him. I would have kicked him in the nuts and gone yeah. after him. Yeah. He addressed MJF as Maxwell Jerkoff Friedman. He called Cincinnati a city that breeds badasses like Brian Pillman and John Moxley. He said MJF has a silver spoon upbringing. He probably thinks where he grew up was the greatest place on earth and the welcome to the jungle. MJF called out his drug-addicted mother, Methany, and said she should have swallowed Pillman Jr. just like all the other second-generation prospects. <laughs> Pillman charged the ring and Wardlow got in his way, and MJF told him to go look pretty in the corner. He then told Pillman that he would do what his mother should have done 28 years ago and abort him. Good googly moogly. Well, what you, you know, I will you say this. this. I will say. I will say this. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, is we always asked, "Where's the heat? Why is there no heat?" This motherfucker brought it, so I'm not going to complain. My only complaint is you don't need that much cheap heat, MJF, because you got the gift of fucking gab. Right. Here's here's my here's what I'll say though. From a marketing standpoint, it's like cutting promos like this kind of. T- t- you, you, there's still fans. It kind of turns off your female fans. A little bit. That when, when you get kind of this, I don't know. I just, I'm just saying. I just it's think, like, bro, at yeah, the end of no. the day, if a female right. in 2021 is such a snowflake that that uh, if she doesn't done a scripted show, then she shouldn't even be watching that fucking show. You can watch yeah. 16 and what pregnant what was that <laughs> show you referred to? Good googly moogly. Right. Right. If he would right. 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 Bro, this is the right. one thing the WWE right. does. They've been doing for years. They don't give the hometown guy the huge pop in his hometown. They always give him heat. They always right. beat them in their hometown. They always like, bro, this is how you make stars is when you right. give them big pops. They right. set it up and it was like, what's so hard to understand? Right. He would have come out the first day and they beat him up in the ring. That's not what they want. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. But, I mean, you had a really chance to do something with Brian and you slipped right on this one. <laughs> right. Like his dad. They, this is and grab the fucking microphone. This is for my mother. This is for my sister. And this is for Cincinnati. Fuck yeah! Right. That yeah. fucking place would have fucking yeah. gone through the fucking roof, and you would have yeah. made Brian in one fucking night. I mean, yeah. if you, if you uh, exactly, and if you think about it, being MJF's next feud after Jericho, you're just basically giving him the Jericho rub a little bit, anyways. Right. I mean, that's like and, bro. This. Right. He hits the he hits the ring. Wardlow stands he indirectly has a K100 rub because I know for a fact <laughs> he listens to us. So good. So so he hits well, the ring. He was a guest too. But if like they did, they didn't give him the pop of of the of the of, the, of, the, of like getting the MJF and, and you had a chance to here. make Brian right there, yeah. bro. I think enough WWE guys would have probably turned turn on to watch Adam Cole and Daniel. Well, bro, you got to hope, but you got to remember, it's not a coincidence. When the right. whole fucking arena is going Adam Cole, baby. The only people that would ever have a chance to beat me, ever, are either not here, they're already tired, or they are already dead. Plus two, he wasn't on NXT all the time, but it seemed like when he was on, and that they, they were their number was up but a little bit. You also got to remember this right. is also. But what we're seeing here, this is an this is an indie centric right fan base. That's why right. when Suzuki came out last, people are going, "Holy yeah, shit! Holy shit!" Right. He would have done that in WWE. Everybody would have been like, "Who's this fucking guy?" Yeah, exactly. 
Let me, here's, here's the thing. This is the biggest problem. It's not even a problem. It's like, you know, you grab WWE guys, and it's like, everybody wants to say, like, oh, they're just going to be using all WWE. Well, yeah, bro, these guys still draw, some of them. You know, and they're, they're not, they right. weren't using them on their show. Go ahead. Uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan in particular, um, I think they're they're probably this generation's like Mount Rushmore. You know, I, there's two other, if you want to, like, my generation was Austin and The Rock, Undertaker, um, Hogan Flair, yeah, yeah Hogan Flair. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the CM Punk, Danny Bryan are those guys to this generation. So I think I kind of started to fade out right around the time Punk left. I hung out for a couple of years later. Yeah, I, I've ne- I never was much of a CM Punk fan because uh, I actually had stopped watching wrestling for a little bit there. I was obviously a huge wrestling fan, but then when I went into the military after high school had a lot of other stuff going on obviously so I wasn't really watching too much wrestling from for about a probably a seven year period there um I'd stopped watching weekly and stuff like that so this was right after the Attitude Era so I didn't see very much of the CM Punk or the Edge or people like that but he gets all the hype from all of his fans so whatever it was pretty cool to see him come back and get that pop during All Out which happened the next weekend after we were all surprised with the debuts of Adam Bay Bay Cole and Daniel. Yes, yes, yes. Bro- oh, damn, I was about to say his W. Brian Danielson. Say what? Plus, plus two is like, you know, when Daniel Bryan and Cole have been on the show already, they've been on two shows, pay per view stuff. Bro, they're very strong talkers. Uh-huh. You know, for promo, like, like, they're, like they add. You know, they, they take the indiness out of that. Like, whatever indie elements you see on that show, when these guys are on, it's very professional. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, 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 okay, well, let's talk about the show last night. Yeah, but, uh, and they also said. have a, they have, they also have a cool factor WWE's missing on Raw. Adam Cole, well, I'm sure we'll get to that, but I mean, Adam Cole was by far the best promo I've seen come out of the elite, including... Oh, yeah. I, I like that. Uh, he's, he's, bro, you can't... You can't keep the belt off that guy. He's the strongest talker in that whole faction. He's one of the strongest talkers on the show, and he's a fantastic worker. You know, and he's got his a great size, he's got good swag, and, and, and his size, and he's not small compared to these guys. Yeah. You know, he's he's just the right size for Omega. And oh, by right, the way, he's right. mega yeah. over with that fan base. And oh, by the way, he's best friends with all the guys in power. So yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, he's the shit. Right. But it looked different when he when he handed the mic over to Kenny. It's like, I want to hear more of Adam Cole. Yeah, so that's what Kenny I'm has, Yeah, it was awesome. Bro, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny here's the problem. Kenny, they're, letting, they're trying to get Kenny over by having to do most of the talking, but Don Callis and Cole are better talkers than him. You know, and it's, it's very evident. Good googly moogly. Nick said they got their best friend back and introduced Adam Cole as the newest member of the Elite. Adam Cole made his interest and got a big reaction. He grabbed the microphone while the crowd chanted for him, and Cole said it was story time with Adam Cole. He got in Giovanni's face first and said, if you looked at Britt the wrong way, he would slap the glass off his face and kick yeah. his ass. Tony looks ridiculous with the earrings. Does anybody agree with that? Mm. Yes. <laughs> okay, no. he, call, he, he called Giovanni a nerd and told him to get out of the ring. The crowd chanted for Tony's Cole Berater for being a nerd. Cole called AEW the best wrestling company in the world because of the men that are in the ring right now. He said everything in the company thanks to the elite, and even though he just got here, he's been elite for a very long time. Cole said he's been main eventing for four years and called himself a once-in-a-generation talent. He put over the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega is the greatest of all time, and now the Elite has Adam Cole, baby. Cole said the Elite is now complete, and if you don't believe him, watch next week when he makes his debut in the ring. Omega grabbed the microphone and said it feels like time to celebrate, but the thing he hates the most is interruptions, and at the pay-per-view they were unceremoniously interrupted. Brian Daniels' music hit. He walked down the ring, walked down the bottom of the ramp and demanded his music get cut. Omega did. Omega asked everyone to clear the ring, then invited Brian inside. I still, I still do not like this, where the one baby face goes out there with all the heels and doesn't, you know. No, but they left the ring. I know, but they were, they were still there. You know, right, he addressed Brian. Right. He said he addressed Brian and said he was just the guy I wanted to speak with. Brian grabbed the microphone and asked the crowd if they wanted to see him fight Kenny Omega. This is very short and to the point, but it was good. Right. He then very said Omega's telling him he doesn't like, he doesn't work like that here. Brian said he thinks Omega's afraid of taking the match because he's better than him and he'd kick his head and he's not on his level. So Omega attacked him, and Brian applied the label lock real quick. The Elite jumped in, and then all of a sudden, uh, Christian Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy Marco, and Frankie Kazarian made the save. And, and somebody right, said, "Look, like guys Cole. in the ring again as usual." Right? Yeah, and it looked like Adam Cole took an awkward spill, and Kazarian attacked him. Brian landed a running knee strike on Brandon Color to end the segment. Thinking of when I was 
watching Adam Cole as confident as he is, when you, you know, one of the biggest things is that cool factor, right? Which, you know, obviously The Rock had, you know, or, you know, like, or somebody in music like Tupac or, oh, Holland Nash. They had the fucking cool factor. Cole's got a cool factor about him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Punk has a cool factor about him. It's a different one, but he does. And it's starting to make the product look cooler than WWE is what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm invested in the Cole, Daniel Bryan, uh, well, obviously Cole and Omega. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you, Conan. I'm really looking forward to that uh, Cole Omega because you can already see the undertaking because like when Kenny, it seems like Kenny's kind of afraid of what Cole's bringing to the table because of those mic Oh, skills. yeah, oh, yeah, they might fight for leadership of the So group. you could, yeah, you could yeah. see right. like Kenny was like, yeah. kind of like backing right, 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 right. up. Right, 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 you're right. Yeah. That's you're just right. a mic kind of thing. Yeah. Well, they should. I mean, yeah. honestly, I'll be, you know, as an all, as a five-tool performer, you know, everybody thinks that Kenny Omega might be the best worker for matches. But of all the other tools, Adam Cole's got way more tools than Kenny does, in my opinion. What are the five? What are the five tools for the wrestling? Uh, dramatic. First of all, you need to be able to work. Okay, you need to be able to look like you can fight. You need to be able to get heat. You need to be able to talk. You need to be able to act. Okay. That's that's the tools that I, I like. If you if you don't look like you can fight, you don't have one of the tools. If you don't know how to talk, you don't have one of the tools. You can't act. Which we see a lot of bad actors in wrestling today that try to act and they're not, they're not good. That's, that's, that's not, it's not a tool, you know? That's, I mean, that's one of the tools you need to have. Because you look mm-hmm. at WWE, they do tons of acting on that show. Like half their show is drama and acting, you know? Message! And so last night was Brian Danielson's first match at AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Him versus Kenny Omega, they went to a 30-minute draw. It was an awesome pro wrestling match. My only thing with it is, can we get a, a countdown or a timer or something? Like, that thing just came out of nowhere. I thought, I, I mean, I watched a lot of these matches before, and I swear there was, like, either a timer, a clock, maybe even an announcement by the announcer with five minutes left, something Give some urgency to the end of the match so people are like, oh, oh my God, is it going to happen? Are they going to get the pin before the end of the match? That's the point of the damn thing. Anyways, it was still a great match. And so I think CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole are all going to be amazing in AEW. And then whoever else they bring in, Kevin Owens, maybe Sami Zayn, maybe Bray Wyatt. We'll see. Who doesn't really matter? AEW is on the come up. And so now I'm proud to present to you a special interview with pro wrestling insider and territory expert Greg Lawson. This was recorded live on location at the rooftop bar at City Tap House in Nashville on 3rd and Demumbrian. Best bartender in the world, Ivy, with our other great friend and best server in the world, Michaela, and then the best manager in the world, Alan. Go see him. He will make sure you get taken care of at City Tap. Second Middle, it's, the, it's, it's between second and third and Demumbry. If you want to just come, you just come see me. We can go together. You know what I'm saying? We can, we can go together. That's my bar. We can go together. We just go to City Tap, me and you. Whoever you are. I'm talking whoever you are. Come, come see me. Come visit me downtown. Hit me up. I hang out with anybody. I got my boy pro wrestling insider Greg Lawson hey, here with me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Ruining my program, motherfucker. So we're going to calm that down and start again. I've been a gorilla before. Before the Ring of Honor. No way. I said, I said, I got to sit a gorilla for Ring of Honor show. We can get into that one. All right, so apparently, <laughs> apparently, Carrie Silken has uh, allowed this mo- Oh, was it? Okay, okay. Because I asked Carrie one day when they came to Nashville, I was like, Carrie, if you ever need somebody to market for you, right. I do marketing, let me know. No, I, never, I was at a Ring of Honor show, and I knew Joe just from, I knew Joe Koff professionally just from uh, being with the same organization at the time. And he introduced me to Gary Jester. Anyone who knows who Gary Jester is, if you're a big time wrestling fan and know who is from inside. So I was like, I got excited because I got to meet Gary Jester. And I was like, you know, that's the guy, you know, he's been with WCW for years back in the day. It was like, booked a lot of their shows and whatever. So back then, you knew a bunch about the territories. Tell me about that. Yeah, we were ta- I grew up in, uh, I grew up in Alabama in the end of the territory days. So uh, I was one of the first guys that Vince McMahon actually caught with his uh, marketing to kids. I was one of the kids that he got. 
because the first time I ever really watched wrestling, I didn't know what wrestling was until I, until I saw Rocky Three and saw uh, Hulk Hogan uh, playing Thunderlips uh, in, the, in the match with Rocky Balboa. So I asked, I was like, how come this one guy has his own gloves, Rocky, and the other guy doesn't? It was like, he's a wrestler. I'm like, what's a wrestler? <laughs> it's like, it's professional wrestling. I was like, what is that? They don't have to wear gloves? And so, you know, at some point I was turned on to WTBS in the 605, so I started watching wrestling. I remember the Minnesota Wrecking Crew being the baddest tag team with Ole and Arn Anderson. This is before, even before the Rock and Roll Express got there. The Road wow. Warriors weren't even there yet. So I, I remember keeping up pretty regularly with the, uh, with the stuff on TBS, the 605 show, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, actually. Jim Crockett, yeah. But I saw some WWF stuff only in syndication. Mm. And I'll never forget the, seeing Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo as a tag team. Mike Rotundo, IRS. Yes. I mean, this is before. That's Daddy is silly. That? Daddy that's is Bray Wyatt's that's dad. Bray Wyatt's dad. Well, hold on. But Mike Rotundo, you know who, and Barry Windham was his tag team partner. You know yeah. who Barry Windham's father is? Black Jack Mulligan. Black Jack Mulligan, right? Yeah, right, right, yeah. yes. And so Black Jack Mulligan is actually, and, and Mike Rotundo is very married to Barry Wyndham's sister. So Black Jack Mulligan is Bray Wyatt's grandfather. So wow. think about that. I, think, I <laughs> yeah. did not think about yeah, that. Yeah, so. I did not think about that. Yes, I mean, I've been keeping so, up with this shit for years. I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> when I started watching WWF, it was probably... Right. WrestleMania three, I think it was right. 83, 83, well, 87, I 87, believe. yeah, because yeah. the first one came out in 85, March 85. Was it March 85? Oh, absolutely, I remember it well. So, I believe the I, I started with the Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, right, right, three, yes, yes. WrestleMania. Now, I had the whole box set, so I've watched. Right, I've of course, of course. Um, but tell me how you became a a fan of WWF because obviously, I saw. WWF uh, as a kid, right? Looking in the past, but you were an, actually an adult, and you know some wild story right. that is amazing. No, it's it's interesting. Are you, you were talking about this earlier? Uh, we were sitting out at the pool. Say what? And I was a big wrestling fan, but I was a, it, what I thought of was an NWA fan because I was watching the, the stuff on TBS. But I knew. Who, what WWF was from watching those syndicated shows that had Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham, which they will call them the U.S. Express. I honestly, God, don't remember them ever being called the U.S. Express on TV. But nevertheless, I just remember they were an amazing tag team. And I knew they were building up to this big event, which was WrestleMania, but I did not know, know what that was. And people knew I was a wrestling fan, and they always asked me what I thought of Hulk Hogan. I didn't know who Hulk Hogan was, because he never wrestled on TV. Why did you not see him on TV? What because the... The business model back then was to build interest with your local t television product, and when they would come to town, you would pay money for the live ticket, but Hulk would be in town wrestling live, but they would not give away a Hulk Hogan match on TV, where I could sit in my house and eat my Fruit Loops and watch Hulk Hogan wrestle. They're not going to do that. They want me to pester my dad to death to get him to drive to Birmingham because they sure as hell weren't coming to Tuscaloosa we'll have to drive to Birmingham to see my parents <laughs> bought every pay-per-view that I had pay-per-view weren't around yet so this was still a live event model it was it was even closed circuit closed circuit wasn't even a thing uh, it, it was Wrestlemania was first on closed circuit and I think the first pay-per-view Wrestlemania 2 had some through satellite providers, but Wrestlemania 3 was really the big one where you could actually order it, but, but that's a whole other story. That Wrestlemania 1, I remember, the reason I even know who Hulk Hogan was is what we were talking about earlier, is back then, my parents used to record Saturday Night Live. So I would watch Saturday, they would like make, my mom would make sure, watch it a little bit the, the night before to make sure it was something that her, you know, little boy could see that wasn't completely inappropriate. She would probably still do the same thing if, if, if she if she could. But uh, so apparently the night before the first WrestleMania, Steve Landisberg, I think was his name, was was an actor who portrayed a, a character of Barney Miller was supposed to be the host of the show, but got sick. And through somehow Vince McMahon's connection to Dick Ebersol, who was the executive producer of Saturday Night Live at, in 1985 in that era when Lauren Michaels was on a, some some hiatus or what have you. He had Hulk Hogan and Mr. T host Saturday Night Live. So the first, so I, everyone knew who Mr. T was, and I don't think y'all can understand the magnitude of the pop culture icon that Mr. T was. He was on the A-Team, he had this mohawk, he wore all these necklaces, he pitied the fool who didn't eat his cereal and whatever he did. 
Mr. T was a pop culture icon, and for the fact that he was able, and he was huge, he was so perceived as muscular and tough and bad, and when he stood next to this Hulk Hogan guy, Hulk Hogan was so much bigger than Mr. T. He was like, who in the hell is this Hulk Hogan guy? That reminds me of that picture with The Rock and, like, uh, Kevin Hart and, like... Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. That's what, it's really what it looked like. It was crazy. So you got mainstream people watching Saturday Night Live who used to Mr. T on the A-team have tuned in to see this huge man next to this golden blonde six-foot-eight as build person, 302 pounds, who dwarfs Mr. T, and he all of a sudden he comes out on Saturday Night Live and cuts this huge probe let me tell you something, brother, blah, 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 and everybody, the crowd starts laughing at first, and they're like, holy crap, shit, who is this guy? Who is this guy? So then the WrestleMania bow rates skyrocket supposedly from their appearance on that mainstream show the next day and everyone Hulk Hogan became a household name overnight and you guys you got to realize he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated right a, a little a few a little bit few weeks after that a few months after that it all kind of fit in together when a professional wrestler is the on Saturday Night Live and on Sports Illustrated in 1985 it made me look at my Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA and all these Arn Anderson was like who the hell are these guys Hulk Hogan's where it's at so from that then, Hulk Hogan became a megastar after that, honestly. Huge star, household name. But you were into territories before that, so. Right, so the only did, did wrestling it, I could see live unless was I could go see go to Batwell Auditorium in Birmingham, Alabama, and I could see Bullet Barb Armstrong beat the exotic Adrian Street. And I'll tell you what, if you want to talk about gold dust ripping off a gimmick, the exotic Adrian Street had was gold dust before gold dust was gold dust in an era when it was taboo to be a gold dust. The exotic, but the exotic Adrian Street was a legit badass. You weren't was going to mess with the exotic. Anyway, that was the only wrestling that I could see live. But then all of a sudden, the World Wrestling Federation started touring. They what they call house shows. So I remember Randy Savage coming to town. I remember uh, Tito Santana. Uh, specifically coming to town. So I remember driving to Birmingham. My parents would take me to Birmingham, and we would go to a, a, a house show. That you know, The funny thing about a house show that I've learned later, the, the baby face always won. There's not a, heel ran, not a heel one on a damn house show, Luke. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. We paid the money to go see him. I'm not going to see Roddy Piper win that night. I'll be pissed off. They do that on TV to watch me to pay money to go see Jimmy Snooker whip his ass exactly. in person, right? Yeah, no, so they, <laughs> you, what you see on TV, you're not going to see in a house show. No, house shows are where they give you the premium right. shit. There's usually title changes right, yeah. or some sort of... But back of, in the day, man, it, it I doubt it was going to happen in Birmingham. But there's going to be a house show title change in Boston Garden, Madison Square Garden, somewhere of notoriety. But no, growing up in that era, it, it's just wrestling fans today have it so easy. They really do. So, I mean, everybody has it easy. But, man, but also there's so much content out there. What do you have... Uh, Three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, two hours of AEW, and you have an hour of Ring of Honor. And if you and if you want to get the Fight TV app and watch NWA, there's enough content out there. Whenever you wanted it, but back then I had to wait 6:05 on Saturday to watch the NWA, and whenever the NW uh, the WWF would come on into syndicated pockets. But I can tell you this: when you want to talk about the way media and TV fit into it, and that whole Saturday Night Live thing, do you know the first time I ever saw Hulk Hogan wrestle a match? was on the very first Saturday night's main event on NBC in 1985. It's the very first time I'd ever seen him wrestle. He wrestled Cowboy Bob Orton. Right after Wrestle, it was between Wrestle, uh, right after WrestleMania. It would have been like uh, a, I don't know when it was filmed, but it was. It took place after WrestleMania and aired after Wrestle, maybe May, WrestleMania was in March. The first Saturday night's main event was probably in May, so it would have filmed in between that. So it was fresh off WrestleMania. That's where I, I, we, I saw a, uh, Paul Orndorff turned babyface by uh, attacking Piper and saving Hogan against the triple team because him, because uh, uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. Because Mr. T was still around. I I'm telling you, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. Really, hell, I want to go back and watch some of this stuff tonight. Now that I'm talking about it, <laughs> I have the network and I love watching old school wrestling. We should do a watch along with like the old, with the first Saturday Night's main event. We are going to do a watch along <laughs> with the first Saturday Night's main event, which. Uh, if you don't know what Saturday Night Main Event was, you young people, well, that was uh, that was a staple in uh, what was it, NBC? Yeah, but 
guys, you just have to understand what a big deal that is. This is network television. Saturday Night Live in 1985 when you had Billy Crystal, Jim Belushi, Martin Short. You had an all-star cast, what, what they would call the George Steinbrenner cast. He went out and got the biggest cast. Three weeks, one week out of the month was devoted to Vince McMahon's product. I'll never forget the second Saturday night's main event. You had Hulk Hogan and Nikolai Volkov in a flag match. This is back when Hulk Hogan would wear white trunks. Not everything was red and yellow. Oh, it was great, man. Those, Saturday night, those first Saturday night's main events, you got to realize, because this was before pay-per-view. The, this is the only time, and every time the WWF was on TV, there were squash matches, jobber matches. So I was seeing, um, you know... Tito Santana against Tiger Chung Lee, you know, an old school jobber that no one knows who is. So Saturday night's main event. Yeah, this was even before the yes, Steve Lombardi was he was just it wasn't even a gimmick yet. So these are just basically enhancement talent. So Saturday night's main event was the actually first time you got to see two, I guess what you would call legit wrestlers up against each other. And again, again, back then, work or gimmick or not even words. I think this is legit stuff. I mean, this is when you're, you know, your fandom's really the greatest when you think it's real. You know that? <laughs> Do you remember that guy that was in the stands that one time? And he was like, it's so real, man. It's so real. <laughs> right. like Next question, Jeff, where are you? Right there. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. <laughs> it's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> I mean, thank Take you. Take it easy, man. Thank y'all guys. Y'all were awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Funk, for saying what needed to be said. I don't want to see another one of these. Well, thank you. you know, and I don't wish, some days I wish, and you know what, it still is. I'm not, I've always told people it's fixed, it's not fake. I get that argument all the time. It's not, yes. It, it's not, there's nothing fake about it. You can still get hurt. Right, but, but, but when you knew, when I thought it was still competitive, you know, back then, that was first, that's the first time I saw, and, and I remember the very first match that night was uh, Wyndham Rotundo and Steamboat. And that's the very first time I saw Ricky Steamboat in his little brief tenure with the WWF before he went back to the NWA to, uh, to have those classics with Flair. It was, and then they, they wrestled Sheik Volkoff and George the Animal Steel. And again, that's, I'm seeing Barry Windham lock up with the Iron Sheik. Not a jobber, not some other guy. These are actually two guys that went off. I had no idea who was going to win now. Because that's how big a deal Saturday night's main event was. I didn't have to buy a ticket. I could sit at my house and actually see two superstars wrestle one another. So from knowing that the media landscape was changing yes. and you were able to watch things on regular TV. When pay-per-view came in, how did that change your watching? When pay-per-view came about, you, you can, look, looking back on it, Omar, it's easy, it's easy to see how the storytelling kind of changed because you could tell there were different story arcs that built towards a pay-per-view. Where before it was building toward, it was a constant feud, but it was built towards a local audience. I think so. Like that Jimmy Snuka Roddy Piper feud probably lasted a year so they could hit every market and go through it. Now you got angles that just build up to the next 30 day pay per view. But back then, you could build the story arcs longer. So when, I'll give you another example post, uh, let's just talk WrestleMania. No, we'll, we'll talk WrestleMania 2. Here, here's a great, not three, we'll, we'll get before I do. This is where he, it was Hogan and Bundy in the cage. But and it's going to, Saturday Night Live is going to build into that and how the whole media landscape handled this. Pay-per-view was a possibility in, a, I think it was 86 is when WrestleMania was, but still closed circuit. But they knew closed circuit. They knew there were people had the ability to be in their local market and find a way to watch this major wrestling event that was taking place elsewhere. And, you know, a little backstory, you know, uh, McMahon has always been competitive with the Crockett. So the Starcade 85, which we can do a whole podcast on Starcade. Next watch along, we're going to do NWA watch along. Let's do, let's do Starcade 85, but that's a whole nother. Hulk, that's Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair in the main event. Another story. But that, that event took place from Greensboro, North Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. So it was simulcast in two different places onto one. I remember this event. What event was this again? This, that was Starcade 85. So, you know, Vince McMahon's like, well, hell, if Jim Crockett's, we're going to do three. <laughs> so they did one from. So they New did the WrestleMania yeah, in Wrestle New York, North, Los Angeles, and Chicago. So that's why that that's was WrestleMania too. But to get all of that attention, they had to have something to, to happen. So what they did on Saturday night's main event, they had Hulk Hogan wrestle uh, the Magnificent Morocco. 
who all Don just Morocco. Don Morocco. There's the one you should look. The original Rock. Remember the Rock? There was he was the Rock no, before Dwayne right was the Rock. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> he was. He used to. Uh, he, he would tape his thumb up like a spike, and he would like come down and hit you in the throat with a tight swipe thumb. It was awesome, man. It was great. Don Morocco, magnificent Morocco. So they had Bundy on that uh, King Kong Bundy. And for kids, if you don't haven't seen King Kong Bundy, Google that guy. A gorilla Monsoon called him in the Walking Condominium. He was huge before huge was huge. So he had some squash match where he 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 had what a squash match where he killed some guy in like ten seconds. And then he starts screaming, "I want Hogan! I want Hogan! I want Hogan!" And so the magnificent Morocco, whose manager was Mr. Fuji. All of a sudden came up ill that night, so we had to have a substitute manager who was Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. And automatically, when you see Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know something's going to be a heel. He was a, and again, before he was a commentator and he became the most entertaining man in the history of wrestling, I hated Bobby Heenan because he was an asshole manager because he was the perfect at his job. He was perfect at what he did. He was perfect. So Morocco was a substitute manager that night was Bobby Heenan, who already managed his King Kong Bunny. So when Hogan... They were wrestling Hogan. They somehow, they attacked Hogan. They double teamed him. They cracked Hogan's ribs, and he went to the hospital. Major big deal. I've never seen Hulk Hogan. So people up all across the country are upset. So he was going to get his rematch against. This was, this was on live TV? This was on, well, it wasn't live. It was Saturday Night's Main Event. It was taped. But it, but it was broadcast in front of Saturday Night Live's audience. This is before social media. This so is before, really, you... cable was in a huge. I was watching Saturday Night's. Uh, main event, which only came on few, uh, like every other month when Saturday Night Live didn't come on. So I was watching this, and again, I didn't get to see Hulk Hogan wrestle, but a few times a year when he was wrestled on Saturday Night's main event. So I saw King Kong Bundy break his ribs. So I was upset that King Kong Bundy and Don Morocco broke Hulk Hogan's ribs, so we needed to go figure out a way to go get this special device down at the cable system to see Hulk Hogan in his rematch against King Kong Bundy in the Steel Cage from New York. That's what they built up the WrestleMania 2, that's why you asked me how pay-per-view changed it. They would use TV to build these huge storylines in order to get people to buy the pay-per-view. Where before, they would just kind of highlight matches from the previous week. But when you got Saturday Night's Main Event, serious things were, were going on. So what were the major feuds then back in that Saturday Night Main Event era? Shit, man, that's... A lot of them started there. And, and uh, well, I'm trying to remember the... the the, the whole, uh, all right, before we get into the mega powers explode and the Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage thing actually came out of Saturday Night's Man event. The first time, I back to WrestleMania 3, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. 97,000 people, Pontiac, Silver Dome, you know, we, we all know that, but we all know about Savage and Seamboat stealing the show and what have you. Again, that's been talked to death. <laughs> so, uh, but... What people don't realize, Hogan and Andre had faced each other before. But, you know, it was in the territory. You know, they had the showdown at Shea Stadium. They, they had those things. But they hadn't seen each other on no TV. Talking. And you got to realize the Andre that Hogan wrestled at Shea Stadium, this guy was, Andre of this era was probably 150 pounds larger. A much different Andre the Giant. It had built, been built up as this undefeated monster. And, and you know what made that whole thing work, Omar? Have you seen that? Piper's Pit, where he came out, and because uh, they gave Hulk Hogan a trophy for being champion for like five years or something, and then uh, 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 Andre comes out, looks at it, and does something, what have you. And then the following week on Piper's Pit, you have Hogan and Andre, and Jesse Ventura is there, and so all of a sudden Andre comes back out. Damn, Jesse Ventura, that's Minnesota <laughs> governor. That's old school. But then Andre the Giant walks out with Bobby the Brain Heenan. If Bobby the Brain Heenan does not walk out with Andre the Giant, it has, does not have any impact at all. Right. The fact that Andre, and they didn't, not a word was Wait, said. no one knew about None that. None one knew at all. There's, uh -uh. there's no they, dark sheets. Uh, nope. There's no internet. If there, if there no was, I didn't know about it. You know, I'm sure there were observer and yeah, I'm sure it existed, but it sure as hell didn't make it to, my, small, didn't right. make it to my young ass right, at that time. No, no, no. So all of a sudden, when Andre the Giant walks out with Bobby the Brain Heenan, we're like, oh, hell, something is going on. And so when, uh, so he rips the chain off, does that. We all, so we all see that build up. That's the Andre Hill turn. How Saturday Night's main event fits into that. 
you know, as far as the WWF universe, as they're calling it, WWE universe, at that time, we didn't think they'd ever face each other. I'd seen them in a tag team together. Hell, I saw Hogan and Andre against Bundy and Stud, which was on Saturday night's main event, for God's sakes. So, but the thing about this, they had a battle royal on Saturday night's main event that Hulk and Andre were both in. So that forced them for the first time to ever see each other face to face. Andre grabs him from behind, headbutts him, throws him out, and eliminates him in like three seconds. So this is the same as nowadays. Yeah. When they <laughs> set up these battle royals yeah. and you're like battling yeah. each other yeah. before uh -huh. the main event. This was Hogan and I. And we'd seen Hogan body slam King Kong Bundy, not Andre. Yeah, that hadn't happened yet. We knew Hogan was an invincible guy. He hadn't lost, you know, he hasn't lost at all. But for Andre to just manhandle him the way he did, we're like, holy shit, Hulk could really lose this thing. Hulk could really lose this thing. So that Saturday night's main event gave us that, if you wanted to see the, again, this was before Monday Night Raw. Saturday night's main event was going to give you the biggest go-home thing to do to make you want to buy for that paper. Was I guess the point where that was the go home show, right? Monday Night Raw was didn't not exist, didn't exist, didn't exist, and it and again, all these were taped, but still, the internet didn't exist like it did then, or it didn't exist at all because you couldn't do that now because things would get out. So, when you went to these events and you saw these things happen, you are a wrestling fan that knows what you see from territory wrestling right. where you went. There's nothing on TV. You know, but there was the magazines, Omar. You got to remember after mags from the grocery store. That's, you know, the, that's how you knew the whole AWA exists. It's not like, but then they had to deal with ESPN there for a minute, so you could actually watch them. Right. Yeah. ESPN had, I believe, PWI is what it was called, or not PWI. Um, it was AWA. It was Vern, Vern Gagne's territory out of Minnesota. They had something else, too, though. It was like a PW. So anyways, oh, it doesn't matter. ESPN had a little bit of wrestling there for right. a while. Global Pro Wrestling, that's what it was, Greg. Global Pro Wrestling. GPW was on ESPN. Did we talk about WrestleMania 3 yet? We, we, we got up to uh, yeah, the, the built-up from Lopper Saturday Night. No, Cindy Lauper, Mr. We talked a little so, bit about it. So, okay, okay. So, let's, let's, let, me, let me transition <laughs> real quick. So, Greg obviously was watching Territory Wrestling back in the late 70s. Right. And this is so mid-80s, Omar. Come on. <laughs> whatever. Late 70s. Late 70s. Mid-80s. <laughs> All right, ladies. Mid-80s, ladies. Mid-80s. Uh, single and mid-80s. Oh, wait. That's me. Uh, oh! Uh, so he was watching in the 80s, and then it turned into uh, the WWF. There were a lot of differences. WCW came about at right. some point in time. I believe it was like 95, 96. 88 is actually when that... When I'm sorry. Ted I would mention 85. I don't know. No, that. Ted, that's when Ted but, Turner bought yeah, out Jim Crockett Promotions. Yes. No, but the Sidney Lauper thing, I think, was... Is, so, okay, yeah, sorry. Okay, let me transition that again. Because we, we go into WCW, that would be another... Uh, cool, so yeah. So thanks, Clay. See you, brother. <laughs> Back to the Sidney Lauper thing. Back in 1985, in the original WrestleMania, Sidney Lauper... And girls just want to have fun was a huge you don't understand how big that was from the video on MTV which Captain Lou Albano was in that's how this whole thing came about and <laughs> what was that relationship because I don't even know that really I think he was just cast I don't I don't know that there was one Captain Lou was just uh you know, a wrestling manager, uh, you know, had rubber bands in his face. He was a huge, was, when I was around, he was a babyface manager, but at that point he was a huge heel manager. And he, he was the manager of the Wild Samoans. <laughs> I personally, myself, I loved him. <laughs> no, but he, he was in a video with Cindy Lauper and they developed some type of relationship. And Cindy Lauper's, I think, boyfriend, David Wolf at the time, was a huge wrestling fan. And somehow he, you've heard the whole rocking wrestling connection and, and that's a whole number. Of the thing, how how well that worked because they had on between Captain Lou Albano was gonna give Cindy Lauper an award in Madison Square Garden of, because she was some he reached some type of platinum status or something or what have you, and Captain Lou being you know them being affiliated from their their uh, what have you was gonna give it to her, and then all of a sudden Roddy Piper comes in and starts talking crap that they don't belong here, blah, 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 blah. And I want to say Hogan comes, it all kind of works out to whether this thing on MTV, where you have either this, the, the, the war to sell the score, and ultimately then it ultimately got into Hogan against Piper. See, I didn't even know they had stuff on MTV. Yeah, oh, the, 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 the biggest one, that was the big deal where 
Oh, Omar, this was, we should go back and watch this. This is where it all kind of came together. You had a match on MTV. You had Hulk Hogan against Roddy Piper on MTV. Mr. T is in the stands as a friend of Hulk Hogan's because they were in Rocky Three together, even though they were never in a scene together. They, 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 you know, that's what they played up, that they were friends from Rocky Three. The whole movie was played up. Was... <laughs> oh, absolutely. And they all both, entered, their entrance music was Eye of the Tiger back when you could actually, before there was licensing or anyone was paying attention to it. The very first Saturday Night's Main event, the very first, you'll never see this on the WWE Network. Their entrance music is Eye of the Tiger. That would never happen today. Um, but so what happened to Hogan was wrestling... Roddy Piper on that uh, War to Sell or whatever it was called on MTV. It ended in some schmoz like it always did because Cowboy Bob Morton got in, interfered. But then Mr. T gets in the ring to even the score. So now, oh my God, Mr. T, who, again, guys, this is 1985. The A Team was the biggest show in the world. And when you got the, oh, one yeah, of the most like famous that, actors that, in the world on else. MTV yeah. coming in to save Hulk Hogan from Roddy Piper and this dastardly Cowboy Bob Orton, at some point, Orndorff came down and became involved as well. Oh my God, it was great. How did that come about, though, the match? How did Orndorff get in the match? He, he was like the groom? Well, yeah, yeah, and Piper was his manager for a minute because Piper came over hurt. Because Piper was just a mouth, Piper was a mouthpiece. Had the Piper spit stuff. Had his feud, but had his feud with Snooker. But, but he came in injured in '83 because of that dog collar match and from the first arcade with Greg Valentine. But he was injured with that. Oh my God! <laughs> I remember the dog collar match. All right, set this up for you. WrestleMania three. Oh, back to three. Okay. Where, where, where well, we're still at one. We were talking about one. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. No, either What's one. What's the main event of one? Yeah, because the was... It's a tag team match, right? Right, because Piper was managing uh, Orndorff while he was while Piper was recovering from the injury. And Paul Orndorff at that era was a bad ass. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're not going to be in the main event if you're not... Yeah, bad Paul Orndorff was... At that era, did Paul Orndorff was a bad dude. But, you know... He was Barry uh, Windham oh, before... He was, no, he, no, he was... He was Dustin Rhodes right. before Oh, my Dustin God, Rose. he was bad. Paul was bad. And so then you had, because uh, I was like, I mean, he could Mr. Probably, Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so you had a part. So uh, when all that kind of got put together, and then the main event of WrestleMania was Hulk Hogan and Mr. T against Cowboy, uh, excuse me, against Roddy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. So I remember the first WrestleMania. Right. Had Mr. T, Cindy Lauper. Right. As their main celebrities, right? Yes. You had the tag team match. And then Cindy Lauper had her and the Rockettes, and they were doing the shit. Well, yeah, Billy Martin was there, and so was uh, Muhammad Ali, and Billy Martin was the damn guest ring announcer. So that, was, that was funny. But the, the really the cool thing was, just Cindy Lauper and Mr. T in the year 1985 were the biggest. Uh, Mr. T was seriously the biggest TV star there was. I mean, you had J.R. Ewing. And then you had Mr. B.A. Baracus. I mean, it was Larry Hagman and Mr. T. I'm not kidding. It was that big. You know, throw Tom Selleck and Magnum P.I. in there. But it, it, it was that. It, 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 no, but Mr. T oh, was right. at that. Right. It was like, it would he be. He was on that level. It would be like getting J.R. Ewing to your wrestling match. But, no, you know, as much as we love J.R. and his bourbon and branch, he, no one would think he could legitimately wrestle Rowdy Roddy Piper. Bobby may be good, but no, that's another story. But when you, when you could get Mr. T, who was a part of the, of the, on the cover of magazines, he had his own cartoon, he had his own cereal, he had, had his own lunchboxes, he had all of these things. You had Mr. T involved. And then you had Cindy Lauper with her uh, orange hair and Girls just want to have fun, and she had, you know, this time after time and all these videos and the Grammy Award winner having all this attention brought to her, and now she's messing around with wrestling? And Mr. T is, too? WrestleMania 1 was a rather star-studded event. And this, I mean, I don't think even today, I don't know if anyone would have that kind of impact as they did, because WWE is already big enough, they don't need that type of exposure again. But you want to talk about from someone getting you in the mainstream, you didn't get any more mainstream than Mr. T or Cindy Law. So and I said, even that couldn't happen today. Never. Because but WWE's already on a global level anyway. There's to get mainstream attention, to have the biggest rocks female rock star in the world. And again, this was where there weren't there wasn't that many channels of content out there. Right. And had the biggest TV star. That was it. That's all you had, really, was TV and radio. And these are... And they're spending their time at the same time at this wrestling event. 
the impact is in because there's been supercars before. I mean, Hell Starcade was two years earlier when you had a Harley Race and Ric Flair. Right. Great match, great, better wrestling than you saw that night. If you're into that, I mean, you that's a whole other debate. So there has to be some kind of transition where, like, WWE is hiring territory workers or what? Oh yeah, that that was and that's funny. That was already had good good call. Like poaching, like they did. Oh, yes, like, they, they're like they're doing independence yes. now. So and you, if you notice about that very first WrestleMania. Everyone was who they were somewhere else. You know what I mean? You had Hulk Hogan against Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was always Roddy Piper. I mean, granted, Hulk Hogan had been, you know, Terry Boulder and Sterling Golden and all those things. Sterling Golden? <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a Jim Barnett. He goes, Sterling, my boy. Fucking he just great. looked so wonderful, Sterling. Oh, my boy, Sterling. Mm. That's amazing. Your, your, your long locks and your big arms. <laughs> My Jim Barnett impression now uh, sent, sent me on it. Uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, what the hell was the question? <laughs> but um, no, more. I think what uh, if you ever have time, I think we've stumbled onto something, and that really could be a passion project for me. Let's at least uh, if we can't do it once a week. Let's watch one Saturday night's main event because that was when its heyday was in between WrestleMania one and WrestleMania three. And that's how they built angles to get to those big pay-per-views. You got to realize there wasn't SummerSlam doesn't exist yet. Survivor Series didn't exist yet. Uh, uh, what am I mean? Uh, Royal Rumble didn't exist yet. WrestleMania was the one pay-per-view a year. And the way they built through it was network specials that came on in lieu of Saturday Night Live. It preempted Saturday Night Live. So the audience, you had an hour, you had an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it was, one month, every, I think one week or one day a month, however, whatever the hell it was, to tell your story. Now you had your local program and you had to build it up. This was the one build thing. So what we should do is watch that very first Saturday night's main event post WrestleMania in the weekend because Cindy Lauper's on that show. And then we could actually build up. We can see how it built, how they use it to build a WrestleMania two, how to build a WrestleMania, how it worked then, because that's how it changed. They didn't have Monday Night Raw. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have their Instagram stories. They didn't have uh, you know Natty doing her little TikTok things to build towards you know she and Tamina that night. But they had Saturday Night's main event, they had Dick Ebersaw, they had NBC on their side, and they had Jim Crocker Promotions weren't even nipping at their heels. They were still trying to figure out what they were doing, but in some ways were putting out a superior product, and Vince would recognize something, pick out one of their talent, and here you are. But no, Omar, I, I've enjoyed this with you. It's uh, talking wrestling from my childhood. I guess everyone's rest, favorite period of wrestling is probably the, when they first discover it. You know, yeah, yeah, you hate to use some horrible analogy. Nothing's as ever as good as it is that very first time. My wrestling fan. I've been high plenty of times, my friend. I can tell you, I'm always chasing the dragon. So, the, the fact that you're willing to let me talk about those between WrestleMania one and WrestleMania three years in my heyday. Man, thank you for that, Thank brother. you so much for coming in, brother. <laughs> I'm going to have you on again, and so me and uh, Greg will get together and talk yeah, more wrestling. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks so much. I love you, bro. Boo! I love you too, my All brother. Right, man. You have a good All night. Right. What's up, Bill? Uh, he was just trying to... And you know how we like to end things here on the Ball and Buds podcast with Omar's epilogue. Get the f*** out of here! Disco man, big props. Thank you. I'll probably be coming back for New Year's. Wait, were you at Sapphire? Yeah, dude, I was there for like two, three hours. Oh, I, I I couldn't find you. I went and saw you. So you cut the. Well, why didn't you come to the back where I was? So I went to the back. I don't know what room you're in. So I go back there. There's no room. I was in the back of the club, not in the VIP. Okay, so I was not... in the VIP for like an hour. Oh, you were okay. So right. maybe, no wonder you probably—it's probably where you were when I went to go look for you because I saw yeah, you. Yeah, we went back there. I, I went back there with a couple girls. They make you get like two drinks when you go back there. Right. So I'm, I'm going to finish my my Hendrix and tonic. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So right. we did that, and then uh, I mean, we got bottle service. We got the whatever the Sapphire 25 year champagne bottle, whatever that thing is. Uh huh. Um, we partied, man. It was it was right. a good time, brother. Like I said, okay. it was it was good. The limo was badass. We had a big suite at the Flamingo, and, and we, we, we brought on these two uh, uh, in-room strippers the night that we were going to go out to the club. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> and uh, and that and it was that was a whole fiasco. But we we were gonna go to the club one night, and when we checked into the suite, we were like, "Fuck that! Let's go down and get the some bottles of liquor and just fucking have the girls come up here." And they were foul. They were foul. They were they were as foul as it gets. Dude. Oh. The two of them, you know, I, I think that girls think that like fuck it. You know, I'm already here. He might as well. You know, well, get down, was, right? Like, you know, that I think when they show up, when they they're not who they say they are, I guess the thinking motherfucker waited long enough, he's probably so horny, he'll just do it anyways. Yeah, so, and that's so I mean that's what happened. Man. It was yeah. it was already like one a.m. We had these two girls come over. I mean, just just to give you an idea, I named them Shrek and Donkey. That gives you any oh, idea. Shit. Oh no, they were foul, man. And then, I mean, but that said, bro, two of the guys brought the they paid extra couple hundred bucks went in the other rooms me and my other friend were fucked up we bet which door would open first <laughs> uh, and unfortunately dude, neither of them could get a boner so they both oh. lost like 300 each i don't oh. think any of us got a hard on we probably dropped 1200 combined on these girls but we got fucked up and it was a funny uh had a funny fun vegas time. Yeah, it was a funny right. vegas story Fuck so it. sapphires was a a wonderful fucking because that was the night before Sapphire. So to go there and get fucking beautiful girls, bottle service, and it's a lot of hot chicks, a lot of different exotic types, Filipinos, fucking you know, different Europeans, you know, in Atlanta, which I love the Atlanta strip clubs. It's a lot of it's a lot of black girls and then a lot of white girls. You don't get a lot of the exotics in there. You know, right. Sapphire's love Vegas. Yeah, Vegas is always a good time, man. But we, we, we partied a lot, man. It was a good time. But Sapphires was uh, it's always a good time, man. I would just say it's most fun to get just bring a grand or two there. <laughs> that way you can get the bottle service. Because when me and my girl went, when I met Disco, I think we, we got like two buttery nipple shots. And it's a strip club, so it's going to be pricey. But two buttery nipple shots were like 60 bucks. If you're going to get fucked up at the club for a couple hours, drop like two, three hundred bucks and get like a bottle of liquor if it's with you and your boys or champagne or something. You know? Right. That's the way to do it. But I'm going to let you guys go, man. Thank you for having me on. All right. Be cool, bro. Enjoy the game. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Shady. Thank you, CJ. Peace. Muchas gracias. Paso un buena noche. Thank you so much, y'all. I appreciate it. Igualmente. Be cool. All right. Peace. Thank you, friends and family, for another great week. Until the next episode, I wish you a blessed week. Have a fun weekend. Peace out, my friends. On that note, thank you for tuning in, my friends. Make sure to support your boy. And as always, subscribe to stay updated and download all the new episodes. Make sure to share this on your social media and spread the word to all of your friends. Until next time, stay safe, take care of yourself, be kind to each other, and spread love the Omar way. Holla.